You're listening to Brigade Radio 1. So you pretty much have an idea of what that song is, right? Um, I, I think it's I, I from think the Paul Simon Graceland album. Uh, it's like with Black Mombasa. No, it's, of course, it's from The Lion King. Absolutely. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. The reason why I played that is for two reasons. One, because, you know, obviously the, uh, the new Lion King movie is out. Mm. Oh, it's out. And, well, I, I don't think it's out yet. The trailer was out. My bad. The trailer is out. Oh. So because – yeah, and, and it's phenomenal if you haven't seen it. Um, James L. Jones, of course, reprises his role as, you know, uh, Mustafa, I think it was. I think so. It's, it's, I, I, I used to think it was Mufasta, but I believe it's Mustafa. Yeah. I believe you're right. It, it could have been what you just said. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie in like a thousand years. No, I, and think, I, I, I think you're right. I believe you're right. <laughs> and the reason why I also played it is because, dear listeners, in case you haven't, uh, you know, you haven't heard, Tyson's a dad now. So the reason why I played that was because in the opening scenes of, of The Lion King, you know how he takes the child up on the, on, the, on the mountain there and holds it out for, like, the land to see and shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. So that, that's why I played it. It was a comparisons. So I've got, I've got Baby Jareth in my hands. Uh, no, actually, I'm – well, if it's, if it's actually – so the monkey's got Baby Jareth in his hands, and I'm lounging back with my wife uh, while watching this, uh, this monkey hold my son over a cliff so that everybody yeah. can see – <laughs> of course. After he, he poured the fruit on his forehead, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He puts some kind of mark on him. It's been a while since I've seen this. I do remember that the voice of Rafiki was uh, uh, Robert Guillaume, who I enjoyed on television as uh, Benson on the television show Benson. I was too young to watch Soap, the show that Benson spun off from, but I did enjoy Benson. Very nice, very nice. I think he also played the Phantom of the Opera at one point because so, he had a wonderful singing voice. Ah, Phantom, Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Yeah, the Andrew Lloyd Webber one, the one that uh, I didn't yeah. see that. One. I, uh, you know, I had it was really popular when I was younger, and I had not heard much music from it. Maybe the theme and whatnot, uh, the part that everybody knows, da 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 da, da and in that, and then like no songs, and then they made a movie of it in two thousand four, I think, with Gerard Butler. Maybe a little later, I'm not sure. And it was good. It was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. that way. I got to hear the um, the music, but I like musicals, so you know. I like musicals too, and in fact, aren't they rebooting or they're they're bringing back to Broadway the West Side Story? I did not. I I don't know. I had not heard. I think that's a thing. Or they're doing a movie of it. No, uh, Steven Spielberg is doing a movie of it. Steven he's doing Spielberg the is doing West Side Story. Yep, he's doing the reboot uh, reboot to West Side Story. Wow! Did you ever see the original film version of West Side Story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd say it's you know why why remake it. I mean, I like Spielberg, don't get me wrong, and I'll see it, but uh, it's, a, it's a really well-filmed, it's a really well-made film, a very well-lensed film. I believe Robert Wise directed it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. It, was, it was truly a phenomenal film, but I think, I think now they're going to put you know, real Spanish people into the reboot. A real, you know what I mean? Real Puerto Ricans? Yes, yes, in the, re, in, the, in the reboot of this. 
Wow. Didn't they have at least one or two in the original film? I'm sure they probably did. I mean, I assume I should do my research, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they, uh, didn't did because they, that's just what they, you know, they used to not really care too much about, you know, who was playing what race, uh, often. Well, particularly it was white people that played every race. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a, a tradition that goes back quite <laughs> pretty much to the, uh, I don't know if it's the beginning of film, but it's uh, at least the beginning of the film era, certainly. Um, mm. But, you know, there's parts available for um, parts available. There's people available now, presumably, who can, you know, so now everybody can play the race that they are and nobody uh, can play the race that they're not, uh, theoretically. Um, and that's the way it should be. Mm hmm. I, you know, I think, I believe it probably still happens uh, that, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure there are still Jewish people playing Irish people, um, you know, but I, I, it's like, it's just white people playing other white people for the most part, you know, it's like, whatever. I, I don't, I don't get bugged by it because I understand there's acting going on, but I also get that it's offensive. So, and I happen to be white and I can, I don't know. There's a lot of other white people that I could theoretically portray, but it's like I, because of my heritage, I apparently should only play uh, people who are Jewish or Norwegian or um, non-specific UK area or <laughs> or uh, Northern Europe or even I think the Mediterranean era. So I mean, maybe I could play Greek people. I don't know. I don't know. It's like. I mean, you you could probably, you know, pass yourself off as a Greek, you know, I mean, but, mm. but obviously you wouldn't like make a very good, like, you know, Puerto Rican or let's say Cuban or a Colombian, you, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, mean I, would, I would feel silly, silly because I imagine they'd want an accent and it's like, you know, it seems to work in cartoons, but like when you become a cartoon, then it's, yeah, I mean, it gets into the defense, the, the territory of being offensive or potentially offensive. I mean, what you don't want is things like Mickey Rooney and breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. You know, which which everybody, you know, can agree was a pretty outrageous, not in a good way, uh, performance. And I've only seen clips of it. So, you know, I, I, (laughs) I've only seen like minutes, like less than a minute, a couple, uh, you know, not just not pictures, you know, that would be, you know, like the, 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 anyway, there's that. Um, mm-hmm. Then it's it's like I don't know. There's this is it's a big issue, you know. There's there's uh, there's there's I think a difference between some of these things and things like the Seven Faces of Doctor Lao or Doctor Lo, um, where he also appeared as a beast and also as a, a woman because it was a shape shifting character. So. You know, I was played by white actor Tony Randall, and he played all these um, white male actor uh, actor. Well, I mean, sometimes the word actor is used um, uh, for both genders or sexes. Like uh, you know, but it's the same way that you would say director, and you don't say directress. So, I mean, although you can say directress, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell people they can't say it. Um, certainly, I I'd even say it if people ask me to say it. Right, well, I'll say it right now. <laughs> Directress, but anyway, so it's like, but then there's you know, and then there's Cloud Atlas where it's like there are people playing 
multiple different types of race because uh, because it's the idea is that the soul is recycled throughout the eras in this story in the world of the story and you're supposed to be able to recognize the people from iteration to iteration whether they're white or black or jewish or korean and it gets into difficult territory um as far as what's i guess what you'd say politically correct and what's not and you know what is mm, science fiction fantasy storytelling where it's a visual medium that you have to be able to convey you have to be able to you have to be able to, people have to look at that and go, oh, that was Hugh Grant, or I think that's Hugh Grant, or, you know, whatever it is, because that way they know that it's supposed to be the same person in the film. It's, it's their soul is being recycled, and, you know, bad souls, uh, some bad people have bad souls, and good people have good souls, and sometimes the bad people uh, go good, and sometimes the good people go bad, but, uh, but you wouldn't be able to follow that arc throughout the millennia if the same people weren't playing all these different iterations who just also happen to be racially different or, or at least visually racially different. I mean, we're all friggin' humans, aren't we? Well, this is true. We are all humans. So we're all a human race. So, I mean, like, I mean, uh, we all presumably came from the same place and spread out. So I don't know. People are so damn sensitive, but you know, at least the conversation is being had. And that's, I think that's the important thing. And I don't mean here. I mean, in general, it, it is important to have the conversation about what is offensive and what isn't and what is okay in movies and what isn't, you know, and, or, and what is okay for actors and actresses and, uh, makeup artists and whatever else, you know, you know, people can't play dragons anymore at some point, you know, but I guess, I guess there aren't dragons. So, you know, it's like, you know, the dragons aren't going to be offended, but it's not a good example. I'm trying to think of what would be a, like if a person plays a jellyfish, well, it's like the jellyfish doesn't have agency, of course, because uh, because we don't really understand how jellyfish, uh, you know, what motivates them, how they operate, whether they have brains, individual personalities, any of these things. So that, that it's also not a good example, you know. So then that's the thing is once you go into the animal kingdom, it loses all meaning because it's about people being other people, and right? Being animals, representing other people as opposed to animals or inanimate objects or storybook. Uh, creatures like fairies and dragons and whatnot. Right. Yeah. So what you're saying is we can't be fairies and dragons. Well, we should be able to be fairies and dragons, but the moment that those things come into existence and then start to feel marginalized, you know, then it becomes a discussion <laughs> about removing, you know, it's only then, then the thing is, is then only dra- dragons will like, if only dragons can play dragons, then dragons will only be able to play dragons in the future. Well, like you can't, you wouldn't be able to give a dragon a role as anything other than a dragon, right? So they're just basically playing themselves. Well, they can only no, no. It's just they can only play dragons. So now you have to have stories that also have dragons in them, so the dragon can have a job playing a dragon. Right. Well, so basically, what you're saying is that there can't be like a let's say a police uh, police movie, and maybe the dragon, you know, uh, got onto the force as a as a as a NYPD detective, and he's pissed off at the world and going around and you know punishing crime. Well, you, wonder the time. That's a good question. Well, you can't because dragons don't exist. But there is a movie called Theodore Rex. It has a uh, small, I guess, a T Rex, a puppet. Uh, when I say small, I mean like oh, you know, six foot tall because it's roughly human sized. And it is a cop movie. You ever heard of this film? I have Theodore Rex. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. You know, a puppet dinosaur. They're cops. You know, 
I wish I hadn't heard that heard of that film, but I did. It's worth seeing at least once. It's actually kind of a precursor to Zootopia, I believe. I mean, you know, I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded. So, yeah, it sucks that people get their feelings hurt, and it is sucks. it does suck that people get marginalized. And it also sucks that, like, I can't – the people don't let me have a meaningful opinion about it, theoretically, because I uh, – I, I racially do not fall into a category of any marginalized groups aside from the 10% Jewish that I have in me, which, you know, so that's – and that's a – that's a whole thing. It's like, so what does that mean? It's like, I can tell, you know, one tenth the amount of Jewish jokes that anybody else can. Uh, well, actually you probably could, but here's the thing about, here, here's the thing about the whole Jewish, um, hmm. it, it, here's the, <laughs> I thought you were going to say problem for a second. It is technically, no, 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 it is technically a problem and I'll tell you why. Okay? I know what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, for, for everyone out there, so if you're 10% Italian, let's mm. say, right, mm-hmm. you can say you're 10% Italian. You are Italian at least 10% of your blood. Now, but Certainly. when it comes to when it comes to being Jewish, though, there are different factors. Like for one, if your mother's not Jewish, you're not Jewish. It doesn't matter if you have 50% Jewish blood in you. If your mom's not Jewish, you're not Jewish. Uh, and of course. If you don't practice the religion, then technically you are the nationality, but not Jewish because that's exactly what the what, – I mean it's Hebrew, Jewish. But if you're not that, then you're just the nationality. You, you, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You, you can be ethnically Jewish and not be considered a Jew by people who are orthodox or practicing Jews. Yes. Yes, I understand. It's, a, it's interesting. It's almost like uh, how the Native American tribes have to – they, they get to say who belongs to a tribe, whether or not you're, you're genetically descended from one or not. It's like, exactly. you can, you know, it's like, it's not just determined by blood and genetics. It's, that's not what a, a tribe is. Although, although human evolution is determined by blood and, you know, it's like, so anyway, but I, I understand. So a person can have a drop of blood and be whatever that drop of blood is. And they can claim that drop of blood, except in certain cases, whatever. I mean, Correct. some there were days when that drop of blood used to be like, okay, well, you can be a slave because you have this much, you know, whatever the enslaved culture's blood happens to be at the time in you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is weird, but I mean, it, it's weird that there are certain rules to define that, but it is the truth. I mean, if you, and, and of course, you know, into relation to what we've been talking about, we are living in some very strange times. Mm. Anyway. So, I mean, you know, people identify or self-identify now with inanimate objects. They, you know, they, they, they think they're, uh, you know, you might have a Chinese guy who might think he's an angry Irishman from the 17th century, cool. you know. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. They're, I mean, you, you have to admit these are strange times. Oh, these are. Yes. I mean, uh, there's, yeah, that, but yeah, there's a difference between like, you know, um, Whatever the legitimate version of something is, to to use the word legitimate at peril, and, and versus you know mental illness, right? Well, I mean, there has to be a, a high abundance of mental illness, especially now, which we can contribute to some of these weird behaviors. Um, yeah, some of it must, and and yet one has to allow for the possibility that that there is also um, something to it depending on what it is. 
Well, I mean, I saw depending on what I, it is. I mean, you, you really can't trust a, a whole lot of what you see on Facebook. Obviously, a lot of it's just it's, it's fake. I don't even I don't look on Facebook. I only look at the people who um, there's only the people I follow or the people that like. Is it following on Facebook? Yeah, it is following, I guess. Or it's friends. Friends, that's what it is. Following on Twitter and Instagram. Anyway, it's like I, there are people I went to school with and people that I've met. You know, These are people that I've, I only have friends for the most part of people that I know and people who are nice enough to say yes when I asked if they would be my Facebook friend. Well, I mean, that's normally what I do too, but you know, but unfortunately, you know, we have that wall and you know, you have stuff that goes through your wall and this, this happened to be an article that passed through my wall about a dude who's uh, dating a, a doll and he, and he never leaves the bedroom or some shit like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm just saying people are dating inanimate objects. Oh yeah, sure. No, no. So there has to be, there has to be some type of like psychological disorder right there. Well, they're called philias. That's a specific, like a, a philia. There's a fetishization of certain types of objects and each one has a category, like people who are uh, erotically attracted to automobiles. You know, it's, it's hey. a, there's, yeah, it's like the opposite of phobias. So, like, I don't know if it's what the, uh, the what it would be like if you you know, I could I could probably Google it and get the name of the of the uh, Ophelia for car stuff, but I'm not going to. Um, of course not. So anyway, um, Tyson, if you're ready and if I'm ready, would you like to uh, start the show how we normally start the show? Um. I guess. Welcome to another episode of the Anti-Social Show, a show that believes that uh, Michael Keaton should be in the live-action Batman Beyond movie. If we can make that happen, that'd be great. I'm Hunter Block, and he's... Tyson Saner. So, Tyson. There's a, Bat- there's a live-action Batman Beyond film? No, 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 no. There's not yet, but I would like there to be. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What was that was, uh, Sorry. But Michael, but Michael Keaton would definitely be the, the man to play this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's role, you know what I'm saying? Of course. Obviously, since we've lost Adam West, so Michael Keaton's the the next logical choice for this. So we need we need now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Batman Beyond has an older Batman and a newer protege Batman. Yes. So in Batman Beyond, Bruce Wayne is you know he he's older and he's basically retired, so he takes on a protege, hmm. to, uh, Batman. Interesting. I mean, I didn't really see too many. I mean, it was a TV series. I didn't watch too much of it. A couple episodes here and there, but it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I'm sure I've seen a few frames of it on somebody else's television. Look good. Um, you know, that kind of thing is probably going to be what happens to Kiss eventually. Mm-hmm. The band Kiss. That's just, uh, 
Just yes. could be protege is playing. I've actually it might already be happening. I don't know. Kind of Maybe. Behind, kind of behind the times. Anyway. <laughs> You're fine, dude. You're fine. So, Tyson, mm. you are father now. I am. And, and, and how was the experience? How has it been? Oh, it's amazing. It's been, you know, it's uh, been a lot of different emotions. Um, uh, when he was born uh, on 27th of uh, February, excuse me, January at 7.29 p.m., uh, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty intense experience. I was there in the room helping as best as I could and also staying out of the way of the professionals. Um, we had opted for me to catch if possible. So I had gloves on and standing by. It was actually a bit more difficult than, than, uh, than we had expected. But uh, anyway, he ended up being born and then uh, he had uh, a very rapid breathing rate that lasted for longer than the doctors liked. So they put him on a respirator for about an hour while I stood there. And that was kind of covered the mouth and nose. And Laura kind of was in recovery. Or as my wife, people, in case you didn't know that. And uh, then eventually he put a CPAP up his nostrils and, and they took some blood to determine what had happened. And he managed to get a lung infection on the way out by inhaling some nasty stuff. So, so they put him on antibiotics. And uh, when his uh, levels got down to a place where they liked them, which was about four days later, uh, then they... Uh, they allowed us to go home on the fifth day uh, with some antibiotics to give to him, to administer it to him orally. And he did improve a great deal over those five days. So he's resting comfortably now, and he's on antibiotics, but he is uh, basically healthy and strong and getting better than he was. So that's fantastic. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. <clears throat> does he sleep through the night, or does he wake up and cry? Uh, he, he wakes up uh, when he's hungry, and he does cry. And when he cries, uh, it's because he's hungry, so he gets fed immediately. So we have not had a great deal of sleep in the last week, but that's part of the process. You know, you you do get to sacrifice sleep because you've got a helpless creature <laughs> that you have to take care of, and you know, and it's you know he's a you know he's a little darling, so um. Here's a tip for all new parents out there, okay? When your baby goes through teething uh, stages, and they will, very painful, if you don't have anything to soothe the gums, you could try a, uh, a nice cold uh, waffle from the fridge. Fantastic. Takes the pain right away. Like an ego or something? Yep. Oh, just, just have them bite down on it? Yep. You just take it right out of the package, you know, when it's like nice and frosty and stuff like that, and just... Let him bite on it. I think it's going to be a while before he's teething. But, yeah, so I'll keep that in mind for, for that. Because he's, he's not even going to be able to have solid food for the first, I think, six months. Mm. But that's what yep. babies do. So He's going to grow fast, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's also he's going to be big. He's going to be bigger than both of us. Absolutely. He was long when he was born. He was born, he was uh, 21 inches. Wow. Yeah, he's going to be tall. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I was that big. I was definitely not that big or as heavy as he was. Uh, I think I was seven something. I was like seven one when I came out, and uh, he was eight. Uh, 
uh, eight pounds, eight ounces. Well, it's a healthy weight. Yeah, it's a good thing we had that on him because uh, those uh, first four days were, you know, just um, keeping him comfortable and making sure that he, you know, we had bonding time with him and we held him, got him to, you know, all that stuff. We'd stayed in the hospital with him basically because Laura, you know, Laura was going to be discharged after I think two days, but you know we needed to stay with him, so we did. Absolutely. That's well, that's thing done right, dude. That's what you do. Yep, absolutely. Um, the future host of the antisocial show when we can no longer do it. <laughs> yes, when we have our own Batman Beyond scenario. Absolutely, which you know they really need to get on the ball with that and really do that because I'm telling you. Michael Keaton will be phenomenal in that. Um, yeah, I mean, he's good in everything he does. The only bad part, though, is is that, you know, Ben Affleck will probably most not likely be in his own standalone Batman film, which is a tragedy. Oh, yeah, I'd heard about that. It's interesting because you talked about that on your solo episode, which came out, or which is going to come out this Friday. Yes, I did. Oh, I wanted to bring that up in a little bit because that was a complete uh, unique experience right there for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That that was very unique. But you did well. Thank you. Thank you. So so you heard it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I edited it. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. So I you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the funny thing about that particular episode is is that um <clears throat> when you and I do the show together, I don't have to think about anything. I just dive in because the conversation evolves, turns into multiple conversations, goes back to the same conversation, and then, you know, continues that way until the end of the show. This time, I actually had to think about what I was going to talk about because I was by myself. So it was a very interesting experience. I imagine. Um, You do tend to cough directly into the microphone. Yes, that I have a problem with. (laughs) So I I took out a few of those. Cool, cool. Uh, uh, well, I think you know what it is. I went from, um, like, I, uh, as I was explaining to the listeners, I went from a, a little rinky-dick soundboard, as you remember what that looks like, to this, big, uh, to this big pro mixer that's, that's very awesome and delicious, I can tell you that much. And it's so crisp and, and crystal clear. Like, I can hear you very clearly. Oh, good. Good to hear. I can also change my effects. I can also do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you did a little sample of that at the beginning of the episode. Uh-oh, if you're talking now, I can't hear a word. So whatever the effect is, it basically effectively yeah. blocks your voice. So basically, if are. I want... Yeah, here I am. So if I wanted to do this, this right, right here, I can, I can make, make myself, myself sound, sound, you know, echoey. echoey. Uh, is, that, is that delay? That's, That's a, a delay. delay. Yeah. Or I could do this. It's like the Elvis delay. That's all right. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. right. Um, wait, wait, was, was that, that uh, what, what song, song was that? Heartbreak Hotel, I think. Heartbreak Hotel, yes. Since my baby left me, I've been in new places. I've been so lonely, baby. I've been so I could die or some, some something like that, yeah. Something like that. But uh, yeah, so this this uh, this actually has sound effects built into it, which is actually pretty cool. Oh, really? Sound yeah. sound effects? Oh, you mean it has has processing effects in it? Yes. Yeah. Basically, what I'm 
what I've been sampling. Cool. Yep, yep. I can like, like I said, I can like make myself echo like this. Yeah. Or, like this. Oh, sound like now that's reverb. I am God here. Is that like large hall or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's a small stage. Small stage, okay. Yeah, I'm supposed to be able to do some of this stuff as well because I I have a, a Behringer and it's supposed to be uh, be able to do this kind of effect. But I think I need to run a cable out of something and then into something else in order to take advantage of it uh, as I'm recording live. I haven't really figured it out yet. I'm not. I've also not cared. But but it's cool that you've got it going on. I'm glad I figured it out too because I, I originally had the. Um, when I had the old soundboard, I had a uh, USB interface between the uh, soundboard and the computer, right? It had those uh, red and white cables. Uh-huh. So they basically have that on this sound on this mixer. So I basically assumed that I could uh, use my USB interface and you know plug it from the mixer to the computer. So I went on, of course, Audacity, and the sound was like really low and, and crappy. I could only hear myself in like my right. Um, earphones uh, thing and it was just horrible no matter what I did it was just horrible so I t- until I found out that you don't need that because it, it comes with a USB wire you plug into the computer you plug into the to the pro mixer and I figured that problem out real quick hmm. because it would have been a shame not to have been able to use this it, it's that awesome well that was pretty cool Yep, and I can do, uh, well, aside from my microphone, I got one, two, three. So I got, so basically I got four four mics, eight channels on this. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So I can bring this theoretically anywhere and, you know, set up four microphones. I, I got four microphones. You have four microphones? Yep. Wow. Pretty cool. Uh, you can. Barringers, of course. Of course. You can, uh, yeah. It, now, how many inputs did you say you have on the microphone inputs on the new the new thing you've got? Uh, four. Four. Cool. Yep. I'll have to uh, take a picture of it. Yes, you'll have to put that on something. Uh, but it's it's totally badass. It sounds badass. Oh, by the way, yeah, badass is fine. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you corrected yourself on the show that you recorded, and it's like uh, badass is okay. It's stuff like 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 a hole. That's a little. That's a little. <laughs> well, that's a little hold on. Go ahead. Hold on before we move on to something else. Yeah. To me, the word if you if you call somebody and and you're, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to bleep this out, but if you call somebody an asshole, right? Yeah. Like to me, that's not insulting. But if you call somebody a, an a hole for some reason, that that that's far more insulting than what I just said previously. Really. Yeah, to me, I don't know why. Like, you know, like if I went, hey, Tyson, you're an F&A hole, right? That, that's me basically insulting you. <clears throat> now, if I just say, hey, ha, ha, Tyson, you're, you're an asshole, dude. You know, F you. That's just me joking. Right, you're like, right. You're not really an asshole, but, you know. So yeah. you, what I'm saying is I'm not really insulting you if I just say it like that, but, you know. Well, you're not, but you're also not really insulting me. Right. Right. So, um, the, <clears throat> so I use the sound of the donkey for for stuff like the word asshole because I think it's funny to hear an actual ass braying. Um, that's why you hear that noise. 
It's a donkey or an ass. Oh, it's de- oh, it's definitely funny, dude. I'm not going to bleep either of those because I'm referring to the thing at which it is. An ass is ass is not a dirty word when you're referring to a actual uh, creature. Right. 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 An ass. An ass is not a dirty word. No, but an asshole is a dirty place. Right. Well, yeah, technically it's, it, it is a dirty place if you don't, like, take showers and, and you know, so forth. It's true. It's certainly more so if you don't take – if you don't have the maintenance of it. But, I mean, it is a place that is, you know, meant to excrete uh, feces and that tends to be – I mean, that's the stuff your body doesn't want. Well, absolutely, dude, because that stuff is toxic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I – mean, you know. A good way to – in fact, I, I'm not – saying that anyone should do this hmm. a, a good way to give someone a slow death is to like you know cut uh like you know take a knife cut uh cuts on people's body like all over their body and then drop them in a dirty portage on oh i thought i thought you were, they were gonna get cut in their asshole no 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 but you, you because when you go to the bathroom that that's you know what you're what you're crapping out is all toxic for you so if yeah, it gets yeah. If it intermingles with you know the blood, you can get all kinds of diseases. Oh, plus that blue stuff in the portageons has got to be terrible for you. Oh, absolutely. That that's why they tell you not to to you know to drink smoke it. A, no, sorry. Well, not to drink it, not to smoke a cigarette either. Right, right. Because the chemicals uh, is flammable. Flammable. Is it? Oh yeah. Portageons. The blue the blue stuff in portageons is flammable. Yeah, it's highly flammable. In the honey buckets. Yeah. Hmm. Did not look Did not know that. I mean, it also, it's like, why would you smoke a cigarette? And unless you're just killing time. I mean, if you're going there to pretend you're not smoking a cigarette, you're not going to fool anybody because those things have vents. Oh yeah. Plus, you know, you're you you know you're gonna you're gonna hot box yourself. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no ventilation, so here you are smoking a cigarette, being an idiot. You know, you're just gonna you're just you're just killing yourself. There's nowhere for that smoke to go. Nope. So I thought you did a good job, but I just wanted you to know. I wanted you to tell you wanted to tell you that heat now, uh, so you weren't wondering, because um, I hadn't got a chance to tell you yet. So yeah, that show's going to go up this Friday, which will be in the people's past again. Uh, it will be like two Fridays ago. Yes, yes. I think yes. something like that, as long as this goes up on schedule. But you know. My schedule is kind of um, uh, being a dad right now, so I gotta, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm 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 about that. So, you know, uh, I'm gonna find time to do uh, as much as I can of the things that I used to do, but uh, as much as I can do might be less than I had before. So I'm just gonna make the best of the time I have, and also, um, you know. Make sure I'm not vacant or not vacant, um, absent as much as possible, you know? Well, okay. So check this out, listener. Okay. And I'm talking to Tyson too. Yes. Check this out, listener. Okay. So basically now Tyson is a dad. I am. Which which means Tyson's going to have all sorts of new feelings and, and, you know, basically like any animal in the wild, if you screw with a, uh, uh, you know, a child, the the mother or father's going to take your head off. Um, that's just basic instinct protecting your child. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's nice to have all kinds of new, uh, you know, new, new types of feelings. Like remember the school, ha- remember the school of rock with, uh, Jack Black. I do remember that. Yes. Okay. So 
when when obviously he was you know he was uh, wrong for what he did you know impersonating a teacher, but at the same time, it's, you know he was a good substitute teacher, you know, and so when he was trying to you know say hey listen don't kick me out because I'm not a real teacher, he's like you know those kids touched me and I touched them and you know how the parents took it the wrong way. Yeah, I remember that. <clears throat> yeah, so you know that's that's the type of feelings you're gonna get. What the hell was the name of his friend, Mister Schmupty, or something like that? Something like that. But I, all I'm trying to say is, just don't beat up like you know guys like Jack Black, okay? Don't beat up guys like Jack Black. Yeah, yeah, like you know, like oh if, yeah, like, definitely not. You know, he's got a couple kids right now too, and he's doing a gaming channel with them. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's like Jablanski Games or something like that. I don't know. Just just go to YouTube and Jack Black video games, and I'm sure his channel stuff will come up. And yeah, he's doing videos with his kids. Which is That's fantastic. Cool. I haven't seen them, but I love the idea. When when the kid gets older, dude, you know what I mean? Yeah. Gonna have to, gonna have to uh, get him on uh, your channel, and of course, you know, gaming outside my comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, you know, if he shows interest in this kind of thing, I don't want to like, um, I don't want to, uh, you know, tell him what he has to do as far as the things that that he enjoys, you know, or, or, you know, he might not be a creative type. He might actually be completely, um, uh, I'm not linear. What is it? Right brained. I don't know. He might be, you know, he might be a person who, no, I mean, now I don't want to like, you know, like my, my go-to would be like an accountant, <laughs> which is, which is not to say that an accountant can't have a creative, life you know it's and it's like and i was about to essentially say that so it's like but you know the kind of stereotypical idea of somebody who likes doing things that aren't necessarily creative they're just highly organized and efficient you know and that'd be fine you know (laughs) if he wants to do something highly organized and efficient or whatever i mean you know if he i just got I just got this crazy picture in my head when you were describing that, and that was basically you putting a paintbrush in your son's hand and saying, please, son, don't be an accountant. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Speaking of paintbrushes, <laughs> thanks for the segue, um, which you didn't know anything about. You know what I've been really been enjoying lately? What's up? Uh, Bob Ross videos. Me too. Actually, I've been watching. I've been watching the hell out of those on Netflix. I mean, really? Did I did I tell you about these or send you links to them, or did I just did you just find them by your by your own on your own? No, I think I no. They they uh, happened to be on my Netflix account one day, and I because I was searching for the channels, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And we, I just started watching Bob Ross. I, I I watch. I've been watching them for like a year straight now. That's great. Yeah, I. I uh, I only just got into him recently. Like I had actually seen him in the past, probably when his videos were live, but like didn't really pay that much attention. And now that I'm like an adult and can just sit and watch one, they're fantastic videos. Yes, they are. They're, I described it to my dad as like watching a very slow magic trick. Yes. Because if you take your eyes off, even for a second, he's already painted like half the painting already. Yeah, and I've watched so many of them. I'm starting to understand how they get, how they, how they, how he does it, basically. Which I guess is the point is that you're kind of supposed to figure it out as you know, as you see him do it. Yep, it's the wet on wet paint uh, method. Yeah, wet on yeah. wet learned by learned taught him by Bill Alexander. Yes, yes, yes. Who I uh, had actually not heard of until I did research about Bob Ross, having you know, discovered having rediscovered him. Uh, there's some funny videos on YouTube of people uh, doing a Bob Ross challenge. 
uh, attempting to do a Barbaros tutorial. BuzzFeed did one. Um, Jenna Marbles did a really funny one. At least I thought it was really funny. And um, this uh, kid named um, James Charles, who does makeup tutorials, uh, did a Bob Ross painting on his forehead. And that was pretty good. Wow. Well, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I'll send you the link. Um, okay. If I remember. So, yeah, Bob Ross, great stuff. I mean, it's it's mellow. It's like, you know, it's it's like, okay, so we're just going to put a tree right there. Give me yes. A and then uh, see, happy little tree. Happy trees is like the, the go-to, but it's like. He looks pretty happy there. Let's give him a friend. Put the bush yeah, on the bottom. We're going to give him a friend, and then we're going to paint a happy little cabin. Maybe someone hasn't lived there in a thousand years, but there it is. And That's right. So now, we're, now we're going to put on the highlights. Now, don't kill all these dark areas here, just because yes. you need the dark areas, you know, to show the light areas off. Oh, and don't forget, we're going to take our happy little paintbrush and stick it in the bucket. You know, I like to, you know, beat the devil out of beat it. Beat the devil out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. The, he puts it in the odorless thinner. Yes. He goes dip, 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 pat, pat, and then in the trash can, whap, whap, and then against the pole. Better, 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 better. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't been watching a lot of these. Yeah, no, I, I went there on YouTube also. So I just, you know, started started with season one after discovering like stuff in the middle. And uh, he does one that's all shades of gray, and that pretty much is the key to um, to the process, especially of mountains, trees, and lake stuff, because it's and then it becomes really about understanding where the dark and light parts go. And then you just kind of could take that and use your own color. It's really, I mean, you know, like, did you see the shades of gray? The first one? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. He makes a mountain and trees. Oh, it's like, you know, yeah, duh, he makes mountain and trees, but no, no, he makes in this one, he makes mountain and trees. It was the idea is that you might, you might've seen the documentary that's on YouTube, not, not, but, um, he, um, starts the episode saying, you know, uh, basically, you know, people, I've had people say to me, you know, Bob, I can never be a painter because I'm colorblind. So I see everything in only shades of gray. And I want to show you that you can create a painting uh, out of only shades of gray. And then he does. And then at the end of it, uh, before it goes to, um, goes to the end of the show, he says, and uh, earlier I made a painting that uh, is mostly in shades of brown and white. And it, it cuts over to that. And it's essentially the same painting he just did with differences where you can tell it's a different painting. And it's all – it's brown and white, like a sep, an old sepia or a sepia tone um, photograph, you know, looking thing. It's it's like shades of brown and white. And, and it was, it's just like – it's like that's the key to the whole thing because you put on your dark colors and then you put on your light colors and then – Things get diffused, and you start at the top and pretty much work your way to the bottom, except, I think, the water. Like, once you've got the sky, and if you want water, you put the water in, then you then you kind of start to work down and create the layers and create distance, all this stuff. Anyway, it's great. It's fantastic. It's, uh, it's never not entertaining. Well, I'll tell you what, dude. Yeah. I mean, aside from all the, the Bob Ross memes that have been, you know, uh, going throughout Facebook and then all the social medias and aside from all the, the merchandise that's, you know, out there now, I mean, he has t-shirts, he's got pop dolls, right? That's not to do anything with his company per se, which sells art supplies. Mm -hmm. But, and aside from the fact that he's a painter, he, he really is like this wholesome all American dude. He was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he he didn't have any scandals. It's not like he did cocaine, you know. He just did paintings, and and he taught paintings. So I mean, yeah. there's nothing. 
I don't even think he was a stoner, even though he fit the description of being a stoner. I mean, and if he was, then that's like the most hardcore drug he ever did was was that. Yeah, you know I, what I, mean? I feel like if he did cocaine, it would have been apparent. <laughs> I mean, I think if he did cocaine, dude, we would have seen a whole different side to Bob Ross. And I think it, it would go a little something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no. But um, but yeah, no. I mean, he there was a fell thing I read where it's like he was in the Air Force, and so there was a lot of people yelling during that. And then after he got out of the Air Force, he's like, "I'm never going to raise my voice again." And he didn't. Apparently not. Oh. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm glad that you have discovered the joy of Barbara or the joy of painting. <laughs> well, I've been. I mean, like I remember when I was a kid, like you know, flipping through the channels, and there he'd be, you know, doing his, uh, you know, his paintings and stuff like that. I mean, I didn't sit there and watch it a lot of times. Maybe like hmm. one episode here or there. But now that I am an adult, of course, I'm rewatching all the stuff they have on Netflix and some YouTube stuff too. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, why not? I mean, do you ever do you ever look at it and think, you know? I could probably take up painting, or at least this kind of painting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I actually uh, went to Amazon and had a look at um, the different parts, like the easel and, like, the bucket and the set of brushes and (laughs) all the branded (laughs) stuff, you know. The the branded gesso, um, you know, the oil paints. And I love the fact that in the first season, it's like, he he says, look, you know, we're going to... We're going to do this series, and we're going to use the same colors of paint through the entire series, so so you don't have to worry about going out and getting additional paints or finding stuff. It was always going to be these specific shades, and it was like, you know, it's titanium white, uh, cadmium yellow, uh, thalo thalo green. Yep. What else? He had blue, didn't he? Huh? Thalo blue or something like that. Yeah, there was a thalo blue as well, but there's also Prussian blue. Yes. Um, Elizarin Crimson. Um, uh, Van Dyke Brown. Van Dyke Brown. I think Midnight Black might have come along later. Yep. And then there was like Permanent Red in the first season. I'm probably missing one, but those, you know, Sap Green, I think, was one of the ones. So And, li- and Liquid Clear. Oh, yeah, Liquid Clear and then like Magic White, which was like a thinner white paint that he used to thin out the uh, – well, he usually would treat the canvas with a with – a, with a liquid white to make it wet so that when he put the oil on, it would slide around and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's like, see, you know, it's, we, 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 for people who don't actually paint, we know a lot about the technique really, you know? Exactly. Oh yeah. And of course, you know, I mean, this really has nothing to do with the technique, but he also put, um, um, uh, which duct tape around his, uh, brushes. Um, you mean, when, like when he was storing them, or what do you mean? During the show, if you notice his brushes, hmm. he's got duct tape around it. Does he? Yep, what cut is, out the glare. What does that do? Dulls down the glare. The glare of what? The metal part of the brush? Yep. Oh, I'll have to. No, I'll have to check that out. Oh, like when he has the two-inch brush. Yep, and I think he uses natural, uh, natural brush, like or natural hair on his brushes yes. instead of. Nylons. Natural bristles. It's very important. It's like these are the details. It's like it's always natural bristles. It's always an odorless thinner. He says don't use turpentine. And that's great knife thingy that he has. Palette knife. Yep, palette knife. You need an almighty palette knife and a, a strong palette knife, yeah. So we actually do know a lot about the technique from watching it. It's just a matter of actually doing it. Which, you know, seems like it, it seems like something that would be worth a try. 
Um, it's it's going to be a hell of an investment to get like to get all the pieces, but like at some point, uh, you know, it's just I, I should probably actually start just collecting the paint. Oh, and you need a thick paint. You need a thick, sturdy oil paint. Yes, because like when he does the thing to make the snow on the mountains, it's uh, you know, it takes the color. It does the palette knife, scrape, 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 gets a nice ribbon, pulls it out flat, and then cuts across it. So there's a little bit of white on the edge of the knife and then yes. just drags it across the, the, the thing that he's made into the side of the mountain gently so that the paint breaks as it comes across instead of being solid. And as it breaks, it creates essentially the openings in the snow. And, of course, after he creates the mountains, of course, he takes his uh, good old, uh, what is it, two-inch brush, and he kind of like gives it like a little – Little stroke up there through the, the across the whole thing, kind of giving it like you know a layer of mist and oh, at the bottom, know. yeah, he diffuses the bottom, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Does the same thing with water too. It does the thing where he's like he says we're going to give when he when he's not doing trees, he goes I'm going to give the indication of trees. Yes, so it's just enough to where it looks like trees fading into the background, They're just sort of indistinct, you know. Or how he gives the water reflection, uh, you know. Take the, the brush. Yeah, sorry, say it. Sorry. Well, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. So you basically you, you paint the when you're doing the water and you're doing the reflection. You just take and you just bl- uh, brush up. You blare it up to give it a reflection. I think you go. Uh, I think you go down. You go straight down. No, you might be right. Yeah, straight down. You pull it down. Yeah, you put it at the edge of it and you pull it down with the brush and then and then gently go across it with a dry brush, so yes. that the lines the the take out the the lines the uh, strokes the uh, what's it called the brush the brush strokes. Yes, that's it. Yeah. There you go, dude. You just describe <laughs> painting. You just got to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right now, I'm I'm uh, aside from the you know basic fatherhood stuff and putting videos together and whatnot, um, and then trying to figure out how to get back into Succotash for a bit. Uh, I do have a couple of uh, I do have some episodes of podcasts I've listened to banked, so it shouldn't be too much longer before I'm doing Succotash again. But um, yeah. So the videos, aside from all that, the um, I'm also working on a piece of music mm. that is uh, that sampled something that we did uh, in an earlier show, and that's all I'll say for now. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Should be that, fun. That, huh. So that's all the information you're going to give. You're not going to hint more mm. until you drop it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I could tell you here and then cut it out if you want. If you want to know, but I don't want to. Spill, mm. spill, I don't want to spill too much or give too much for people to anticipate because I, I don't know how long it's going to be before it's finished. It could be a week. It could be uh, five weeks. So. Mm. I think I kind of want to be surprised. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, no, actually, we keep going. <laughs> so yeah. you're in the middle of Undead Nightmare. Or Laura's in the middle of Undead Nightmare. Well, Laura's just started Undead Nightmare. Uh, she had just started it, but she uh, had never played the original game, so she wasn't familiar with the. She had to learn how to. <laughs> she had to learn how to play how the game plays mechanically under extreme circumstances. <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah, I, I, I just got done watching it a little while ago. It was it was pretty funny. Oh, good. Uh, I'm glad you liked that. Did you see? Uh, so yeah, that was right. Before, we filmed that like uh, a couple of weeks before. Oh, maybe a little earlier. It was like in December. 
I think, I feel like it either was like an early, early January or late December we filmed that one. Um, but it was definitely before, before baby came. Um, definitely a good one. <laughs> she's pretty funny. Um, I'm playing Silent Hill Downpour. Oh, you know, I've not played a Silent Hill movie, uh, movie game. It's they're uh, usually PlayStation exclusives, aren't they? Um, no, I'm playing on Xbox. But I mean, the other uh, Silent Hill games are usually PlayStation exclusives, aren't they? I'm not sure. I think the original one definitely is. I think ah, maybe, well, maybe not. This, this is my first one. Oh, Silent. So how is Silent Hill Downpour? Yeah, this is my first uh, Silent Hill game playing. How is it? Dude, it's incredible. Is it survival horror? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so, so basically, um, well, I mean, you've seen Silent Hill the movie, right? I've seen one of them, yeah. I saw the first one. <clears throat> so basically, that's what the Silent Hill movies are, uh, or the games are based off of. But this one is, you're, an, uh, you're a convict that basically uh, was in a uh, prison bus transport accident that you survived. But it just so happens you're you're trapped in Silent Hill, hmm. and you have to escape. Okay, so it's pretty. Oh, and and for anyone interested, the real town of uh, of Silent Hill can be found in Pennsylvania, called um, Centralia. Oh, is that where Centralia is? Yep, it's a town that's on fire perpetually underground, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a Centralia in Washington. Ah. And it's not the place that you're talking about, but yeah, could you describe a little more about what this town, what what this town is going through? <clears throat> yeah, so basically, it's it's an. I mean, I don't know if it's still on fire, but it was an underground coal fire from like the '60s, I think I want to say. Mm. So, oh, let's see, let me, let me see. Centralia. Yeah, so uh, so basically, it's a. Uh, all right, so we got the fire. Centralia is a borough. And near Ghost Town in Columbia County, uh, Pennsylvania, in the United States, its population has dwindled from more than 1,000 residents in 1980 to 63 by 1990 and to only seven in uh, 2013 as a result of a coal mine fire, which has been burning beneath the uh, borough since 1962. Wow. That's where the graffiti highway is, by the way. The graffiti highway? Yep. Basically, it's an abandoned highway that has graffiti all over it. Oh. the tourist attraction, which brings people up to uh, Centralia. Because there's really nothing left in Centralia. There's a cemetery, there's a few houses, there's a bunch of empty roads. So the, the town itself is basically uh, just flat, basically. There's nothing there. Oh. Well. Um, I was there last March. Oh, yeah? To visit the, yeah. real, the real Silent Hill? Yep. It's two hours from my house, but it was on the way back from when I went to Michigan, so. That's right. You went to Michigan. Yep. So since it was on the way, I was like, yeah, screw it. I want to see it. How far so, is Michigan from where you are? Uh, let's see. So it is a practi- uh, approximately 12 hours and 46 minutes. That is a good journey. Twelve hours. And 40, so it's about 12 hours from where I live now to where I used to live. In Washington, mm. so yeah, that's a that's a bit of a jaunt. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a journey. You got to cut through Ohio. And how? Yes, uh, Ohio. It's uh, uh, tall in the middle and round on both ends. Yep, that's what they say. So I think 
you got to cut through. Oh, I'm sorry. You got to cut through Pennsylvania first. Oh. Then you cut through Ohio, which is like the 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 bulk of the trip. And then, of course, you hit. Uh, you can either go to either Indiana or you can go to Michigan. If you go to Indiana, of course, you mm. can um, cut out of Indiana into into Michigan. So, are the Dakotas on the other side of that? If my geography is correct, yes, I think so. You ever been to Wall Drug? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's a tourist attraction in uh, Wall. I think Wall, either North or South Dakota. A place called Wall. I haven't reached the Dakotas yet. Yeah. And I stress yet. Well, you know, the Badlands have some interesting places that were used in filming movies and stuff. I'm actually thinking about going to Nebraska and starting a church revival or tent revival. Really? Yes. Like a Brother Love Trial and Salvation show kind of thing? Yes, I'm going to be Brother Love, and I'm promoting uh, the power of Buddy Christ. Ah, interesting. Yes. Well, it's Christ, Christ, Buddy Christ. Yeah. That's right. Traveling and if, Salvation Show. Sorry. If people want, you know, salvation, they'll they'll pay tribute in the, and put money in the basket, and they'll get, you know, absolution from uh, Buddy Christ. It could work. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You know, there was something that I uh, learned that I didn't previously know. Well, there's something that I addendumed or added on to something that I kind of knew but hadn't really experienced. Um, are you familiar with something called mecon- meconium? Uh, what is it called? Or meconium, I think it is. It's also people it? say myconium. I think meconium. meconium. I don't believe so. It is basically... Uh, they say it is basically baby's first poo. A baby's first poo. Yeah, when the baby poos, basically what comes out of them is this substance called meconium, which is like basically a black, sticky substance. Right. Right, right. So what they don't tell you is that it's also baby's second poo and third poo and fourth poo. And then eventually, you know, the breast milk kind of flushes it out and then they start – their poo turns – um green and then like kind of a mustardy yellow and then eventually brown. But the thing about meconium is that uh, it is very similar in uh, mm. texture to Marmite. To Marmite. Yeah, which I enjoy. Um, Marmite's a, oh. a yeast paste. Hmm? That's that thing you were telling me about, right? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Marmite's good. Um, so it does look like it. But um, I still like Marmite, so you know. I don't. The thing is, I can eat Marmite and not go. Oh, you know, I'm I've been put off of it because of this meconium stuff. It's it's doesn't bother me. It's just it was odd how similar they appeared to be. Right. Well, well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, what's that 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 brown crap that everybody likes that looks like chocolate? Uh, everybody likes is it carob? No, 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 no. It's 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 uh I forget the name of that crap. Nutella. Money? Oh Nutella, yeah. It's a, well it's like a chocolate hazelnut spread, I think. Yeah. It looks like crap, but people still like it. Well, it's because it tastes like chocolate. <laughs> right. It tastes I like I, ma- I imagine meconium doesn't taste like marmite. But um, no. also if you've never had marmite, it, nope. it can be an acquired taste. Um I like it. Uh, I think it's good with um with a little bit of cream cheese. So it tastes like sh- no, it's you know it tastes like like concentrated bread. 
concentrated bread. Well, you, you know how sourdough is kind of sour and, <laughs> and yeast and yeasty. It's kind of like a concentrated yeasty paste, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't use much of it. You spread it kind of thin. People put it on toast, but I can't have actual bread. So I've never had it on toast with butter, but supposedly that's the best application. So, so what do you put it on? I rice cakes. I put it on rice cakes. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. With a bit of cream cheese, yeah, or sometimes a um, like a cheddar or something, like a sliced cheese. Speaking of condiments, like you know, like uh, Nutella and uh, Marmite and jellies and jams and all that stuff. Okay, and bread, of course, which you can't have. Right. I'm just I'm just putting this out there because I got in trouble. In, in high school, I think it was history class or some crap like that, uh, for debating to the fact that, in my opinion, it's okay to steal bread, okay, to feed your family if you're in dire needs, but it, it, it becomes wrong if you put something on it, okay? Oh, interesting. So like in Les Mis. Right. So if you had to steal bread, it's okay. But don't you dare put like friggin', you know, jelly on it, butter, Marmite, Nutella, um, jam, mustard, ketchup, salt, pepper, none of it. Just it's eat, got eat it as is. Eat it as is. Don't tart up your uh, your purloined bread. Right. With right. Interesting. That is so, yeah. so steal it just to feed your family, but you know, don't put nothing on it. Makes me wonder. I you know, I did and I was thinking of Jean Valjean and Les Mis, and the thing is, I know he stole a loaf of bread and then went away for like, I don't know, 20-something years. Um, that wasn't the only reason he stayed in there. He also tried to escape a couple times. I don't remember. Anyway, but but he was like, un, I guess some, many would say unfairly persecuted for stealing a loaf of bread. The thing is, I don't remember why he was stealing the loaf of bread. It was just because he was hungry or if it was because he was trying to feed his family. And the thing is, is that if he was trying to feed his family, I don't think we have any idea what happened to his family after he went into jail at all. It's like, like they stopped existing in the story, but this could just be the way the story is told in film and musical versions. There might be more to it than that. He might've just been hungry. I don't know. I mean, either way though, it's, it's, you know, it's a justifiable cause. You shouldn't go around stealing. Obviously we have laws for that sort of thing, but I mean, you know, I mean, no, hungry is hungry. You know, it's hungry, hungry. You know that that's that's the point of uh, that's a desperation. You know, right there, it's either you know I'm going to die of starvation or I'm going to steal a loaf of bread. Well, guess what? I'm going to steal a loaf of bread. It's terrible to be desperate. I see it oh, all absolutely. the time here. Like there is a pretty large or substantial homeless population. Same thing in New York. Yeah, I imagine it's larger in New York, but there's more people there. So, um, but it's per capita. There's quite a few of them here. And it's not that big of an area. So it's pretty sad. Um, and yeah, bread would be helpful. There are food banks and there are uh, shelters and various things, but there's not nearly enough resources. That's the problem, dude. You know, and then there's, you know, a lot of, there are quite a few people who are, you know, quite mentally ill without a support system of any kind, which is also sad. Hey everyone, it's Ethan with Combat Radio here at Brigade Radio 1. One thing you need this fall is the Combat Radio Halloween album supporting social services. 
featuring haunted musical and audio tracks from some of your favorite celebrity guests around here, including Respect the Dead, the audiobook. Go to cdbaby.com, enter Combat Radio Halloween, and get your copy today. Anyway. Anyway. It's like an Andy Kindler would do. It just starts snoring in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> Start snoring into the sentence? In the middle, yeah, in the middle of a sentence. It'd be like, uh, yeah, because it's a thing with the... Like, you know, like he's boring himself. That's it's pretty funny. No, funny is what I wasn't when I did that last episode of Antisocial Show. I don't know. I think you were pretty funny. I think you're generally a pretty funny guy. Uh, um, I, I, don't, I don't think you were... I don't know if... You, you don't really have to try to be funny to be funny. You just sort of do your thing and then, you know, give your own personal take on stuff. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's serious, but I don't think it's ever, um, anything more or less than it needs to be at the time. Ah, true. I think you're, you know, you're, you're an entertaining person and, uh, you did a fine job. So thank you. Thank you. I try. I try. Okay. You did well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should consider, um, well, um, I was going to say, you should consider doing your own podcast, but what I should, I should say <laughs> is that you should consider learning to edit. Ah, <laughs> oh, very true. If, if you very don't true. already, because it's, 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 it's so much easier to do your own podcast uh, if, you, if you know how to edit. Um, I, did, ah. I did cheat a little bit because I use a video program, but I don't know if it's really cheating. It just makes it a lot easier to move the sound around and take things out quickly and move them to the side and reserve them in case of needing them in the future or whatever. Anyway. Um, so yeah, editing, um, at some point we got to have, uh, some guests on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I could ed- learn how to edit those episodes. Which ones? Well, if I, if I happen to be, I don't know if, if, if you know, you're, if we're on with the guest. Mm-hmm. Or if I need to, uh, you know, have a guest, I can take that episode and edit it myself, send it to you. Well, if you, yeah, if you were able to edit, you could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not a, you know, it's easy enough to learn how to do. It's just, uh, it's just getting the right program and, you know, and practice. Um, but yeah, you know, if you, if you do get interviews out in the field ever and want to include them in the show, I can, you know, I could just edit those, you know, but I mean, like if you were to have a show with say, your your uh, fiance or you know any of your friends, your other friends, if you wanted to start something up like that, it's, it's it does make it easier to do that if you if you have a basic uh, uh, I don't want to say knowledge, but a basic uh, practice of of editing. Very true. Just, uh, and then once you once you do that, you start you can start going. Oh, you know, there's other things I can do with this, and then then you have ideas for like audio stuff like the haunted tour where it's like, Oh, I, I could take what I learned editing just regular sound into, you know, something a little more extraordinary or different. Very true. You just, you pile knowledge on knowledge. Essentially you learn one thing and you use the thing you learned to learn the next thing and learn the next thing based on the stuff you learned before. Blah, 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 blah. It's basically what Weta did. <laughs> the people who made uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, the original one is that they, learned how to do these all these effects for the first movie and then by the time they got to the second movie they knew how to do all these other things so they could do that a lot easier which means they had time to learn how to do more things and then by the time you get to Return of the King it's like three times the amount of special effects shots that were in the first movie and 
all sorts of other things. Um, like somebody actually wrote the program to simulate fire um, right before, like they developed it around the time they were working on fellowship. So like, that's the reason why the Balrog looked so cool is because somebody had figured out how to simulate fire, a realistic looking fire in the computer. Which is badass. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it's fire. Someone would say fire, fire, burr, burr, burr. You're going to burn. Fire, fire. I am am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. I am the fire starter. I'm sorry, what? That was a true 80s classic. Yeah. It's always burning since the world's been turning. That's a good one. Uh, As far as Billy Joel songs go. He's, he's, he has better songs, but it's a good song. It's a real, it's a well-written song. It's not, I mean, but you know, it's like, I think it's, it's funny because it's so specific to him as it's a list. It's a list of events that major events and news that occurred from the year 1949 up to the point where the song or the year the song was written at the mm-hmm. era, which was then you know, the last thing was rock and roll and cola wars. Um, mm-hmm. Did that in the mid nineties or whatnot, but you know, it starts off with, whatever it does. And it's something that's like, what was it? Bob Hope. Is that the first one? Uh, Bob Hope did what? What's the, what's the first, the first event or line or person in the song? We didn't start the fire. Hold on. I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Harry Truman. You got uh, lyrics here. What did you come up with next? But it's a sequential, uh, basically uh, chronology of the major events from the year he was born up to the year that the song was published, basically. Yes. And the year, oh, let's see. I'm going to say 1993. Let's see. It's probably not right, but that's my guess. Uh, release, uh, artist Billy Joel released 1989. 89, okay. So sometime, yeah, definitely earlier than that. That makes sense. Actually, uh, uh, definitely a uh, superior decade, in my opinion. 1980, the 1980s? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in the 80s. Culturally I was speaking, 1980, of course. You were, what's that? I was born 1980, right at the, the top of it. Uh, yeah, so was Laura. Yep, she was born on January 4th, 1980. January, what was it? Fourth. Ah, I'm November 14th. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I was born in February on uh, the 27th of 1974. Ah, uh, the 70s. The back end of the 70s was pretty cool, too. The back end, yeah. Yeah, some good stuff. Disco. Um, I had the birth of rock uh, metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carpenters. Um, uh, ABBA. Uh, stuff that's been around for a while. Bee Gees, you know. <laughs> it's a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah, good stuff came out of the 70s. Yeah, Bicentennial. Um, yep. I don't know. Hmm. It's just, it's, I, I barely remember uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah, uh, Michael Myers. Yeah, what was that 1977 or 76? Uh, no, uh, let's see. No, 78 was was Halloween, and uh, that's right. Halloween was 78. I want to say 1979, something like that. Uh-huh. For for, I could be wrong. Let me ch- let me check it. Okay, so while you're checking in, I'd like to tell people that uh, other things we've been enjoying is uh, a show on television called The Masked Singer. Ah. 
So, yeah. Just throwing that in there for people listening. Yes. October 1st, 1974. October what? 4th. Yes. So I was wrong. Cool. Uh, 1974. What? Oh, it was uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 74. Okay, yeah. So the same year I was born. Yes. I was actually born between Bundy killings, I believe. He was insane. Yeah. It's charismatic. So is John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully these people are enjoying a nice uh, human centipede of meconium in hell. Yeah, if, hope. If, if there is hell. And if there's well, and if there's human centipeding going on. Well, you want to watch it. Remember the guy who played Francis and fucking Pee Wee Herman and shit? Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, well, fucking Francis. I'm sorry to keep cursing like that, but Francis there, he plays uh, John Wayne Gacy on Netflix in his own adaptation of... of what happens with John Wayne Gacy? Really? When you say his own adaptation, do you mean this actor wrote the this version of John Wayne Gacy, or that it's just no. that it's a story that he happens to be starring in? Yeah, yeah. I don't want anyone to think that he actually wrote it. No, it okay. just happens. He's the star who's acting in that particular adaptation of it. Okay, that makes which, sense. Which is good, by the way. Yeah, I don't know much about Dragon Ball Gacy. So that's the guy. That's right. It's Francis. I remember that. It's like, it's not, because, for, it's not for sale, Francis. Honestly, that particular guy, yeah. like, uh, he, he was born to play uh, Francis, and he was definitely born to play John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Just like Ed Gain. Who was the guy who played Ed Gain? Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I never saw the Ed Gain movie. Well, there was, there was, two, there was two versions of it. I never saw the Ed Gain movies. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying that there was, there was two. Uh, so there's, there's two movies with uh, Ed Gain in them, and one was done in. Let's see. Well. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah. So the one in 2007 mm-hmm. was. Who the hell is this guy right here? You know what? I'm an asshole. Why? Because I don't know what the hell just happened there. Okay. Something to do with Ed Gain. Well, you know, Gunnar Hansen played Leatherface, and Leatherface was based on Ed Gain. Yes. Is it Gain or Gain? No, it's 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 Ed Gain. Or Gian. No, it's it's, it's Ed Gain. Or Gain. Oh, I'm sorry. I got it. Yeah. Steven uh, Railsback. Oh, played, really? Uh, yeah, played Ed Gain in two, uh, 2000. Oh, that's interesting. Because he also played Charles Manson. Yes. And uh, that guy from Life Force. <laughs> <laughs> Did he? Yeah, I can't remember his character's name. That was, a, that was an interesting you movie. Did, hmm? You played that character very creepily and convincingly. Ed Gain? Yes. Yeah. Good. Good for him. Steve, Steve Railsback is interesting to watch. I feel like, yeah, yeah, I might see that movie now. I feel like I might have seen a preview for it. You probably have. I mean, it's been out since 2000, so. Hilter Skelter, man. That's different. That's something else. (laughs) When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide, where I stop and I turn and I go for a ride. Then I get to the bottom and you see me again. (laughs) All right, so. Hilter Skelter. Helter Skelter, yep. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Tell me, tell me, tell me your answer. You may be a lover, but you ain't no dancer. Helter Skelter. 
Well, that's about all the time we have for Antisocial Show. I'm Hunter Block. And I'm Tyson Sanner. <laughs> Be decent to each other. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but really, I'm Tyson Sainer. And I'm Hunter Block. And no, but really, be decent to each other. And really, absolutely. Peace. Peace. Have a good time, folks. Mm-hmm.